African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us uh, right here on Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. We're broadcasting from Auckland Park at the SABC headquarters in Johannesburg, uh, where it is a bit cloudy out there, but I hope where you are on the African continent, the sun is out and bright. Thank you for joining us uh, on our various platforms on uh, DSTV on shortwave, and also if you're listening to us uh, via our website stream. But I want to say to all the African women of our beautiful continent, uh, happy International Women's Day. I know everyone is making it a hoo uh, and I saw that somewhere in Europe, uh, policemen were giving uh, uh, various women flowers in the morning when they were driving all the way to work. So, hey, happy International Women's Day to you. And we've got two women on our program today. So that's also a fantastic element as well. And uh, today on International Women's Day, we're discussing a very controversial uh, conversation. Maybe it's not so controversial, but it depends on which side of the fence that you stand. This past Monday, South Africa's parliament discussed whether or not to decriminalize sex work at its multi-party women's caucus. This was as the South African Law Reform Commission, also known as the SALRC, presented its report which recommended that full criminalization of sex work must still remain in law in the countries. While a lot of various arguments came out of this discussion at the caucus, with some arguing that partial criminalization should be considered while others suggested that the voice of the sex workers themselves was excluded in the report and they should be central in this particular conversation. Well, joining us in our studio today, we've got Susan Tolmey, who is uh, from Amnesty International South Africa. Uh, she is a woman and marginalized rights, uh, rather, woman and marginalized group rights officer. Okay, I got that right. And also we've got Daylene Clark, who is uh, a lead researcher on the Project 107 sexual uh, offences investigations joining us from the South African Law Reform Commission. Let's start with you, Daylin, looking at this particular moment that we find ourselves in and what actually brought about uh, uh, this particular report. What informed the decision to actually work on the report? Good morning, Daylin. Thank you for the opportunity. I think just in terms of context, the report is is a product of of a much larger investigation. It Mm. seeks to codify all sexual offences in South Africa, which is basically on the statute book and in the common law. And because it is such a large task, the Law Reform Commission split it into four parts. And the first two parts of the investigation gave rise to the Sexual Offences Amendment Act, which inter alia gave rise to um, gender-neutral rape whereas before men could only, if they were sexually violated, would only be um, going to be charged with mm. lesser offence of indecent assault. And also the, the offences like grooming and such like. So, so that was the first two parts of the investigation. The third part deals with adult prostitution, and the fourth part of the investigation deals with pornography in children and children's exposure to pornography. So what we've done is we've, over the years, uh, had three issue papers, two, three discussion papers, and two reports were all available on our website. 
and particularly now with regards to the conversation today with adult prostitution, we were asked to look at the fragmented legislative framework um, because currently we have two laws which deal with the criminalization of prostitution. And we were asked to look at and investigate the need uh, to look for law reform and whether we needed to regulate, prevent, deter, or reduce prostitution in South Africa. And we're using the words prostitution, I just need to add, because I know that you referred it to as sex work, and you sure. could also use that. Mm. But the reason why we're doing that is because in international conventions, which you are signatory to, uh, they use the word prostitution. All right, okay, let's and, and sure. also, yeah. carry on, Deline. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry. It's also important to note that um, I know that just as going into the, the, the conversation to note that we have had eight workshops around the country. We've had two um, sex-specific workshops that were arranged with the organization SWEAT. And in terms of that, we reference SWEAT over 257 times in the report um, on sexual offenses just in order to hear that voice through SWEAT because they represent about 1,500 people that are involved in, in this um, Okay. So, so it sounds like a very much comprehensive report that looks at ver- various areas. So, I know that the report in itself, as was highlighted ma- mainly and comprehensively in the media, is the fact that it recommended uh, the full criminalization of sex work and that it should remain in law. Tell us a li- little bit, um, Dalene, how you came to that particular conclusion. Well, after evaluating the evidence and looking at comparative experience in constitutional democracies internationally, we found that the legislative approach we're currently following is the approach that should be followed. Um, not to keep the law as it is because we have fragmented legislation, so we need to sure. amend the legislation and bring it back into one law. We're linking this to an option of diversion, which will then introduce exit pro- process. And together with that, um, the ability to obtain expungement of criminal records that are relating to any prostitution-related behavior. And also linked to this, a national strategy to deal with prostitution. And with that, we have non-legislative recommendations as well, which address the current challenges being experienced by people in the current, the current situation under the current law. Mm. Well, Susan, you stand from the different side of the fence uh, because uh, you are, have a different viewpoint. Um, in terms of your standpoint that we already know that Amnesty International is standing for, which is the uh, decriminalization, which is removing it from it being a criminal offense uh, of, of prostitution or sex work, uh, why do you have that particular viewpoint? Um, thank you very much sure. uh, for inviting me. Um, One of the problems that Amnesty had, and we submitted a 21-page submission to the Multi-Party Women's Caucus on some of the issues around the South African Law um, Reform Commission report, um, was that, and and Deline um, mentioned earlier, that internationally, um, you know, they are following um, other sort of countries where this is conventional. Sure. I would challenge that. Um, uh, the, re- the, um, the report doesn't cite uh, very new research, so nothing post-2013. Um, and there have been some really important studies since then, um, sort of by Lancet, by the World Health Organization, and even by the Global Commission on HIV, AIDS, and Law, um, that really support decriminalization uh, because decriminalization means that it's not a crime. It places sex work, because it is work, um, in a legal human rights framework. 
um, and that is key for us. Uh, we know that decriminalisation has been shown where, where sex work has been decriminalised. It has shown to reduce violence against sex workers and to help them secure their labour rights, and it has actually been shown to reduce HIV transmission. How does decriminalization actually do those things? Someone is listening to us on air would be saying, well, doesn't it make things worse? Doesn't it actually strengthen uh, the the brothels themselves, put them in the main framework of uh, the uh, system of occupation in, in various countries? And also some countries such as South Africa have challenges such as trafficking, for instance. Doesn't it actually exacerbate such problems? So those are questions that could come from someone saying, how does decriminalization actually assist? Many studies have been done, um, and what has been shown is the decriminalization, full decriminalization of adult consensual sex, and I want to be very clear there that it's we can't talk about trafficking and sex work in the same in the same context they are sure. two completely different things okay. so when we're talking about adult consent consensual sex um, full decriminalization um, as I say has has shown um, it takes it out of the criminal um, it's no longer a crime so there is a is a legal it's then in within a legal framework outside of that legal framework uh, sex workers experience way more risks um, instead of um, so because it's a crime and um, they are harassed by clients they have no redress there are incredibly high rates of violence um, by police um, harassment um, torture rape murder so the decriminalization will actually has the potential and and has been shown to reduce violence um, and to reduce the stigma that um, sex workers experience in various spaces. Um, So in achieving labor rights, in achieving health rights, and a range of of different rights. Let me take that to you, Daylene, because I'm interested in what uh, Suzanne is highlighting here. Um, Do you agree that the fact that uh, uh, turning this whole frame and the language of uh, uh, this particular issues of prostitution and sex work into a more formalized framework where we use words such as uh, consensual sex instead of saying that it's an illegal act actually makes things a bit more different and actually could actually minimize um, uh, the, 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 the crimes that we're seeing around sex work. And what do you think of this um, allegation that Susan is bringing forth, saying that the report doesn't actually look at the latest research that has been considered in uh, uh, issues that relate to this matter? Right. Um, I think I could start off with just saying that the report was published in 2017, but was handed to the minister much earlier than that, and they needed to interrogate it. So yes, it doesn't have the latest research, but it doesn't mean that we haven't kept abreast of it. And in fact, the latest research that we've been able to obtain in terms of the law reform models, in terms of the legal models, actually endorses the recommendations found in the Law Reform Commission and moving away from decriminalization. And I'll tell you why, because uh, internationally, these clawback measures to move away from legalizing and decriminalizing to a more criminalized setting, and that's between the, the years of 2011 to 2013. And you're seeing a shift in the Netherlands, Germany, and Sweden with this, uh, in this regard. And in 2014, there was a significant uh, court case in Canada where they shifted away from uh, um, a situation where you had a legal um, buying and selling of sexual services 
for um, both the client and the person selling, and they moved to a, a partial criminalized setting now, just clawing back slowly because of the high exploitation and the incredible violence that was happening in that legalized setting where they had, I think, 18 murders in a particular time. So it hasn't been found to uh, reduce the violence at all. And then we come to 2014 to 2017, and we had this shift in France and Ireland as well, uh, moving away from a, a decriminalized uh, setting or legalized setting to a more criminalized setting. And it's particularly because of the harms involved and the exploitation. And one can't necessarily neatly excise prostitution from trafficking because it's linked to so many other harms. You're looking at um, pimping, you're looking at trafficking, you're looking at, yes, HIV is a very important issue to look at. You're looking at drug use, you're looking at migrancy. We're looking at very porous borders in South Africa too, which makes us very unique in terms of, of comparing us to countries, for example, like, like New Zealand, where you have a decriminalized setting. Um, for example, they're also not totally decriminalized because they don't allow sex under the age of 18, they don't allow advertising, and they prefer people to be in bottles. So you have, often in these settings, you have an illegal and a legal setting um, coming about, and actually your illegal sector then almost becomes bigger than your legal sector. So I think that one needs to look at it from that framework, perhaps. I'm going to take a quick break and I'll come back to our guests. Uh, very much different views are coming from our guests. So we've got uh, Adeline Clark there who was speaking, uh, contesting the views of uh, Suzanne Tome. And Adeline Clark is the lead researcher on the Project 107 Sexual Offences Investigations from the South African Law Reform Commission. Uh, in our studio, we have Suzanne Tome who is uh, joining us from Amnesty International South Africa. Uh, she is the woman and marginalized a group's rights officer uh, looking at this issue, whether we should actually decriminalize uh, a sex work or not. And uh, we're looking at this very sensitive issue on International Women's Day. What are your thoughts? Remember, engage with us on our various platforms. We are on uh, our Twitter handle where we're asking uh, this uh, question. So you can give us your thoughts there at Channel Africa One. That's the numeric one at the end at Channel Africa One. Or you can engage with us on our African Dialogue handle. It's simply titled at African Dialogue where you can give us your thoughts on this very interesting discussion. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial... 605-47-1711 Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Uh, I just want to say again... uh, 
happy International Women's Day to you if you're listening to us here. And uh, all the women of the African continent, we celebrate you. You guys are the action, the strength and the backbone of the African continent. So we can't just go through this day without acknowledging you. Well, today we're looking at a very interesting subject that actually uh, can actually uh, affect a lot of women who are uh, seen as peripheral and marginalized in society because of this work. We see it as a very controversial issue, prostitution. Now it's been termed as sex work. We're asking the question today, should we see a decriminalization of it in a country such as South Africa? Because just this past Monday, South Africa's parliament discussed it and the multi-party women's caucus. It was a big issue where various parties had different views and different uh, uh, considerations on what should be done in uh, this particular area. Uh, If you're just joining us, we've got Daylene Clark on our line who's joining us from the South Africa Law Reform uh, Commission. She was very much in charge and also leading the research in the latest uh, uh, report that has been uh, presented uh, in Parliament just this uh, past Monday. Uh, She's part of the Project 107 Sexual Offences Investigations from uh, the Commission, which is under uh, South Africa's Department of Justice. Now, Suzanne, various views were coming out there from uh, Daylene, highlighting and emphasizing why she disagrees with the fact that uh, there's no real empirical evidence on the ground that uh, decriminalization of sex work actually uh, takes away uh, the issue of uh, discrimination against women or those who actually are part of uh, sex work or uh, prostitution. We know it's not just uh, uh, a woman, so I don't want to make that exaggeration and stereotype. But what are your thoughts on some of the areas you suggested? Um, I would challenge um, what Deline was saying around uh, the benefits of what is called the Swedish model. Um, so this is, has been implemented in many um, European countries where it's partial um, um, decriminalization. So they. Uh, so what is partial so decriminalization? So what maybe it, our listeners yeah. understand. Sure. <laughs> so what it means is that they don't criminalize the sex workers. So, but they do criminalize the buyers of sex. So how does that work? Because that doesn't really. It's always going to be a transaction. So exactly. So there's always a transaction. Um, but in this case, um, you know, they think that the benefit is, um, you know, not not criminalizing the sex worker. But actual research has shown um, that um, in Norway, actually, um, that prohibition on purchasing sex um, have the sex workers have now seen a decrease in the quality of um, their clients. So now they have more bad clients than good clients, um, and they are engaging in much riskier behavior. So it's clandestine as well. So, you know, it's still illegal, um, and obviously buyers of sex are going to do what they can not to get caught. Um, And then that just places sex workers at increased risk. They go to their houses, they go to unsafe places. um, And and the research has actually shown um, that that this is... um, become more dangerous for sex workers um, or at least is not giving the same kinds of security um, that um, that that particular model um, claims to um, claims to um, so 
In okay. terms, of, sorry. L- let me take that t- to you, um, uh, Daylene. What, what, what are your thoughts? Because I, I, I want us to have a progressive conversation here in terms of the positives and 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 and, and the negatives. And I, I, I'm, I love moderating things that they stay in in control, but. From your perspective, Daylene, when it comes to partial criminalization, that was also suggested at uh, uh, the uh, caucus uh, in Parliament in South Africa this uh, uh, past Monday. Um, is that an option? Because I see uh, inequalities there, and also I don't see that being a complete uh, um, solution to to some of the issues that we're dealing with, as was highlighted by Suzanne, showing those contradictions whereby uh, the clientele becomes very much suspicious and maybe um, more um, discriminatory to um, sex workers. What are your thoughts where we are with this uh, conversation? I think I just need to say, you know, something we haven't said yet, is that the Constitutional Court has found that the law as it is is a a constitutional option so what we're debating here is pol- possible policy options. Okay. So when we had a look in our report as to options, we had partial criminalization as a second option, but not the Law Reform Commission's preferred option, for much the same reason as has been described here. Um, I think that we have read quite a lot of research on either there's, there's pros and cons of the Swedish model. The one thing that we picked up as well is that, look, South Africa has a different economic model. Sure, sure. Um, we don't have a strong welfare state. Yeah. There are no social benefits if you are an able-bodied person and you're under retirement age. Mm. And in Sweden, for example, you have sufficient economic support and social Mm. security, which offer things like accommodation and money and all that sort of thing, um, which we don't offer at this point in time. And that's why our preferred option at the Law Reform Commission was the criminalization across the board, because although it won't eradicate the numbers, um, it may reduce numbers as it hits both the supply and the demand on an equal basis. And this also sends a clear message of prostitution and related behavior, because we're talking not only about the selling of sex, we're talking about pimps, we're talking about um, brothels, uh, Mm. businesses that make business or people selling sex, and we're saying in that regard it won't be tolerated. And when you link it to the diversion option, for example, then you're looking at... What do you mean by the diversion option? Can you just elaborate on that, Daling, just for our listeners? So when you're looking at that, sorry, that diversion is coupled to criminalization. So when a person is is charged, you're diverting the person outside of the criminal justice system, so they won't get a criminal record there. They're diverted outside of the criminal justice system on an exit program, if you put it that way, much the same as you would do with with, um, other diversion options. So you're looking there at intervening on a state cost of addressing the real underlying needs which relate to poverty and unemployment and lack of skills and education because a number of people are saying I want to go back to school, I want to get skills um, and these are people we've engaged with. Um, so, so that's why we, we have looked at, at the different models um, and I hope maybe that, that gives you a little bit more thought on it. Mm. And, and, you know, you spoke about the socioeconomic conditions in a country such as South Africa, and we've seen a lot of disparities in a country such as um, South Africa with the huge uh, unemployment rate in the country. And uh, from where I'm sitting, most of people would say that uh, typically... it's kind of a typical argument that uh, you know sex work could actually get people out of um, poverty as a, a mainstream form of uh, employment. But do we have any empirical evidence of this? Uh, I see it exacerbating issues within poor environments as well, where women are taken advantage of, uh, because uh, sex is also sometimes a, a weapon of. Uh, uh, 
of uh, discrimination most of the time? I think, you know, when you're looking at a choice, when people are talking about choice here, one of, the, one of the, the authors says, you know, if prostitution is a free choice, why are the people with the fewest choices most often found doing it? Okay. And I think that's a question that we need to ask in this regard. Um, are we, if with our poorest borders, if we decriminalize it and legalizing it, are we going to have a whole lot more people coming into the country? What about sex tourism and all those issues that relate to that too? Um, you know, the majority of the women that I understand you know, are engaging in the selling of sex are, um, are not South African citizens. The most vulnerable are not South African citizens. So we have to look at all those things in context. So there's just not, you know, there's not only one facet, and that's why the report looks sure. at a whole number of facets. Mm. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, Suzanne? Because I... Daylene is speaking on very strong issues there, speaking about you could see an increase of sex tourism and also the fact that this could impact on the migration challenges that South Africa faces. And the big question that uh, Daylene asked there was the issue of, uh, if it is an issue of choice, why is it the people of the least choice are the ones that have to make this kind of a choice? Very good question. Um, I mean... Deline makes uh, very valid points about our particular socioeconomic context. Unfortunately, women um, are the face of poverty. Women are the majority of sex workers. And for some women, this is the choice that they make because it supports them and their families. Um, If they go into other informal work, they will not get paid the same amount of money. Um, There is evidence to show um, how much... um, So if I can quote um, a study, um, a survey in Cape Town found that depending on their level of education, sex workers earn between 1.5 and 5.4 times more than they had made in their previous employment. So for for largely predominantly women um, who have families to support, who have to survive, this is is sometimes um, the most lucrative option for them. And it is because they don't have choices. And they don't have choices is because we live in a country um, that is very patriarchal, that isn't addressing the economic, social, cultural rights um, of people in the country, particularly the economic rights. We have the highest level of inequality in the world. Um, We have very high levels of unemployment. um, And I think diversion is is problematic as well. Um, I think, um, you know, Amnesty International um, submits that it's vital to ensure effective frameworks um, and services that allow people to leave sex work if they choose to do so. Um, But what has been found is that state responses to sex work um, that rely principally on enforcement of criminal laws against sex work to discourage or penalise involvement in sex work have detrimental impact um, on the human rights of sex workers and they don't support other alternatives. Um, Retaining criminalisation and solely permitting someone the option of diversion fails to address the stigma and discrimination that attends uh, criminalisation. It also enables presumptions of criminality to be imposed on sex workers um, and they will always be deemed to be under the law. So they're never going to get the protections that they need. Um, so Amnesty does recommend that governments should ensure protection of the social and economic and cultural rights. And um, 
they should allow voluntary exit from sex work if that is the choice that they want to make. But also what, what Daylene was highlighting were the vulnerabilities that still remain within sex work, even in areas where it has been um, criminalized, where there is still the use of drug use, um, the issue of trafficking that sometimes can be related to what she says it's related to. Sometimes it's very closely related to um, um, to, to, to uh, sex work. So I would strongly disagree with okay. that because it has been shown... Um, I mean, again, trafficking, including into the sex sector, mm. is not the same as sex work. Trafficking is non-consensual. They are two completely different mm. things. Um, and I think that conflating them or saying that criminalization is going to increase trafficking is, is contradict. It actually doesn't. Mm. Um, re- sort of research and studies have shown um, the trafficking, um, the, the decriminalization actually has the potential to hinder the fight against sure, trafficking. Sure. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, uh, criminalization undermines valuable links um, and intelligence in detecting trafficking. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring that back to Daylene because that's a, a very, very interesting uh, a factor that Suzanne is bringing. There isn't de- decriminalization creating a space whereby we can actually have a hand into what's happening within sex work and also be able to monitor the movements within that if we do make it an industry by itself. We'll deal with these issues and big questions. Very polarized conversation coming from Suzanne and Daylene. Very different views coming from the both of them you're listening to channel africa where we give you the african perspective let's take a quick break we'll be back this is channel africa south africa's official international public radio station on shortwave internet and satellite from an african perspective Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovu, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Indeed, Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa, on our frequency, on our uh, shortwave service. And if you're listening to us on DSTV, thank you for joining us. Then also on our website, uh, you with me, Benjamin Mushatama, for this hour. Remember, at 11.45 Central African time, we'll get our business news. And after that, we'll get our sports. So we have to wrap up this conversation. Uh, what are your thoughts, Daylene, there with Suzanne, just before the break, highlighting the fact that decriminalizing creates a space whereby you can actually monitor what's happening within sex work. Uh, What are your thoughts with that particular view? That is one of the arguments that has been raised. We do address it in the report. Um, The latest information on that, uh, there was a PhD person, a person who's finalized their PhD that presented at the um, summit on Monday as well, and uh, he contended that uh, trafficking and prostitution are interlinked. In the report itself, we found that trafficking needs to be contextualized as one of the entry points into adult prostitution. And the decriminalizing, for example, in Rhodes Island in the U.S., found that decriminalizing actually hindered the police intervening in cases of trafficking and other exploitation, particularly of children. 
And we've seen a number of cases where children have been brought into the country and these cases have been addressed because the law is criminalized. So it, it really depends on how one looks at it. I mean, recently in the Gauteng High Court, there were two brothers that were convicted now um, who had detained two women who were um, forced to sell sex. In, in the city, they were initially um, disengaging in prostitution and they've been found guilty of, of trafficking. So it, it depends on how one looks at it and how one interprets the law. But I, I, I don't agree with the statement that one has to see, clinically look at that independently because it's been found as I say, internationally once again that you can't just take it out of the bigger picture of the socioeconomic circumstances that, that these people are finding themselves in. Those vulnerabilities don't change. Mm. Well, I want to see a way forward and you know, we've got five minutes left and I feel like I just want to get different views on just the way forward as, as we wrap it up. Um, Susan, what are your thoughts in terms of what would be the ideal situation in, in your viewpoint, especially in the context of South Africa? Uh, we know s- sex work is happening. We can't continue to marginalize sex work. Uh, we can't pretend that it's not there anymore. But there are cases whereby we are still to see real empirical evidence that uh, sex work either t- takes people out of poverty or actually that it completely removes uh, d- uh, discrimination within that type of work. I mean, I think removing discrimination in this type of work is going to take a lot of years um, because that's, um, that, that's attitude change. Um, Isn't that something like a, a soft way of approaching it? Shouldn't we be more sympathetic around these workers? We definitely should. And we think that decriminalization will do that. Criminalization by its very term and what it is implies some form of stigma because someone is doing something wrong, they're in contravention of the law. It opens them up to a range of horrendous abuses. Um, we know that sex workers, because they are criminalized and and because um, they're not taken seriously and they're not seen as valuable members of society, they experience incredibly high levels of violence and harassment. Um, a sex worker is 18 times more likely to be murdered um, than any other woman. Um, and that is a shocking statistic. Yeah, uh, that's that's sure. a US statistic. In South Africa, um, The stigmatization and criminalization um, of sex workers gives law enforcement officials the scope to harass, extort. Mm -hmm. Um, We have evidence of incredibly high levels of violence against sex workers in South Mm -hmm. Africa. Studies have been done um, for many years, for many, for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And and please do this with impunity because they don't see sex workers as as human beings, mm. as people, you know, with rights. And, and because they're in contravention of the law, they don't, they, they do what they do with impunity mm. um, because they know that sex workers have less access to justice, are unlikely to report crimes, mm. um, you know, are unlikely to seek the help that they need because of the stigma that they experience. Um, and, um, and, that, and that is what decriminalization will do. It will put them into the formal, a more formal sector, it's still informal, but it'll put them into the mainstream where they get the protection that everyone else who's doing a job in this country, um, you know, in order to survive. Mm. Um, yeah. Sure. 
Well, interesting views coming there, and I can't uh, even minimize some of the points that uh, Suzanne has brought forward. Daylin, what are your thoughts? A way forward, uh, excess of justice is a very important one, that uh, sex workers don't get that particular protection, and they do sometimes do get harassed by uh, police police officials. Uh, it's a reality in a country like South Africa. I don't think it's even a South African thing. I think it's an international issue. Um, Daylin, a way forward? I think one needs to know that the abuse of law is not something that, that should be tolerated at all. And that is why the Law Reform Commission has recommended that we need a very clear strategy for dealing with prostitution on a primary preventative level and on a secondary intervention level. We need this strategy so that we have a coherent legal framework and we need effective ta- uh, tools to address all these issues. And the non-legislative recommendations that we are saying, we need to decisively deal with abusive police. We need to decisively deal with um, insensitive uh, healthcare professionals, and we need to deal with pimps and links to drug markets, trafficking, and other organized crime in South Africa. Well, thank you for giving us your time, ladies. Various views, indeed. Uh, just to wrapping it up with you, Daylene, with this uh, uh, particular report coming forward uh, to Parliament, what is going to be the process from now on? The process going forward is the report was brought to the attention of Cabinet in March of, of 2017. Cabinet has taken note of it, and the Department of Justice now are interrogating the report, and they're looking to do further research, and they will then, I understand from them, be deliberating on the research that they've done and possible the possible way forward in the second half of 2018. All right. Um, thank you so much, Daylin, for giving us your time. I know that I spoke to you yesterday wanting you on the program, so I really appreciate you making your time. I know your schedule was very busy, so we really do appreciate it as Channel Africa making your time. That's Daylin Clark from the South Africa Law Reform Commission, a lead researcher on the Project 107 Sexual Offences Investigations. Thank you as well to Susan Tolme for coming into our studios. We really appreciate you making time for us as well. Uh, she's from the Amnesty International South Africa and she is uh, the Women and Marginalized Group Rights Officer. Thank you, ladies, for giving us your time. Uh, we really appreciate you. Very much different views coming here, and uh, you guys behaved very well. I uh, didn't hear anyone speaking over anyone, so fantastic, fantastic uh, decorum indeed on radio here. It's much appreciated.